Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. With that in mind, we're going to do this. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you the words of life are precious. And words don't die. Words don't get old. Words of life can never, ever be labeled by a date or a time. They are fruitful if, if we listen to them. So we're thankful for it in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, thank you for giving me this opportunity to uh, re-preach what Joanne taught, what you gave her to teach. And I'll do my best to do it the way she did it under the unction you gave her in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look at this. Go to John chapter 10, verse 10 for just a moment. John 10, 10, and let's look at this. And so I'm excited uh, to be able to do this and, and uh, to share this and, uh, and to celebrate her. And may this be a, the greatest one, a, a gift that's uh, wrapped in prayer, wrapped in holiness, wrapped in, uh, in uh, appreciation, in honor uh, of, of what she has done for the kingdom of God. Uh, she made a statement, here it is. God has provided you with a life which is abundantly full of God's best. God has provided you with a life. And then in John 10, in the Amplified, and you'll notice most of the scriptures I'll give you are all Amplified because she uses the Amplified. The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and destroy. I came, speaking of Jesus, I came that they might have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full Till it overflows. Till it overflows. Abundant life has this overflowing capability. Let me look at that verse of scripture. And let me give you the statement she said. God provided you with a life which is abundantly full of God's best. It's got God's best. There's no sickness in it. There's no disease in it. Look at that. I came that you might have life, not sickness, not disease, not heart attacks, not blood pressure disease. There is no brain aneurysm included in this. No arthritis, no bursitis. There is no destruction in here, no divorce, no separation. Abundant life is provided for us. Satan came to steal. He came to kill and he came to destroy and he's still doing it. That's why in your abundance, you must share the gospel with others. Because somebody, if you were, listen, once you got born again, you stopped Satan in his tracks and he can't have your life no more. But there are people out there that don't know how good God is and that God has abundantly saved and redeemed. Watch that verse of scripture. It said, the thief comes, the thief comes. And then Jesus identifies the difference. I came. So the real, the, uh, the real meat of this is Jesus saying, I came. Well, listen to me. You're the vessel fit for the master's use. Anytime you walk into a room, you ought to boldly say, Jesus just showed up. He lives in me. I'm the temple of the most high God. Amen. That's what Paul said. What? Know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Anytime, anytime you walk into a room, the Spirit of God's there. So listen to what Jesus said regarding himself when he walked into a room. I came that they might have life. And they might have and enjoy life. When you walk into a room, how do people react? Something ought to happen in the realm of the Spirit. You know, there's a verse of Scripture in the book of Hebrews, and it's found in the uh, 10th chapter, and it says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It didn't say the word gather. 
It said the word assemble. Now, some translations will use the word gather incorrectly. Now, I've, I've used this illustration before. Man, many years ago, uh, when my boys were small, and I bought them a bicycle, and you go to the store, and back then, Toys R Us, and you go and you go, hey, there's a bike, I want that bike, and, and then they meet us in the back, and you go to the warehouse in the back, and you open up your car, and you think you're going to get a bike in there. You do not. You get a box. And there's a picture of a bike on it, and you look at the bike when you bought it, that's the bike I want, and then they give you a box, and then you got to go home, and what do you got to do? Come on, somebody say it out loud. Now, how many of you know what I did? I went home, opened up the box, and poured everything out on the floor. What do I have on the floor? A gathering of pieces that should look like a bike when I get through. But while it's all on the floor, it does not look like the bike I looked at. So there's the difference between gathering. Some people gather, and they don't look like the church. They don't sing like the church. They don't pray like the church. They're still wrapped in a plastic bag, rolled over on the floor somewhere. But when you assemble it, you have to be tweaked in. This screw goes here. You got to be willing to be twisted into the body of Christ. You don't fit automatically. You don't snap on. We got to put you together and make sure every part is right. If you're missing, if there's parts still on the ground when it's done, something's wrong. Am I right? If you, if you, anybody ever do puzzles? Do you ever notice there are no extra pieces? And if so, what pieces do they say most people will lose this piece? This is the one most people lose. They don't do that. Every puzzle has the accurate amount of pieces that is designed to make the image of the box you bought. The church of the living God is supposed to have abundant life. And the way we do it is by assembling ourselves. We assemble ourselves mentally. We assemble ourselves. We come together. We come together and we assemble ourselves. I want to be with other believers. I want to be around others that know God. I want to be around others that pray and seek God and worship God. Because I go to work and I go to school and I engage in activities outside of the church world. And I'm dealing with the world. I need to rub shoulders. I need to rub up against somebody who's full of the Holy Ghost who has holy essence, who has spent time in prayer, called abundant life. The thief comes. I came, he said, to have abundant life and to, and, to, and to do it full till it overflows. Now watch this. Joanne made a statement. Do you know the best part of this is? It belongs to those who have faith dreams. If you have a faith dream, abundant life comes alive. You have to have a faith dream on the inside. What do you want? What's your faith demanding of you? What do you see yourself accomplishing? What's your faith? Faith is not the denomination. It's not the denomination. We're in the middle of an election, and people are talking about people's faith. What they're talking about is the church they attend. That's, you know, I have, I have a, a, a garage, and I can go stand in the garage for four hours. That does not make me a car. I can go stand in my garage, and that doesn't make me a mechanic. Amen. I can go to church. That does not make me a Christian. I can go to church. That doesn't mean I've been reading my Bible. That doesn't mean I'm a soul winner. That does not mean that I'm full of the power of God operating daily in my life. It means that I, when I come, I got to put some effort into this. Amen. 
I got, I got to put some effort. Here's what Joanne said. The best part is that it belongs to those who have a faith dream. You got to turn around and look at somebody and say, I have a faith dream. Oh, thank you for that little shout. That was, that was awesome. That was wonderful. A faith dream. You got to have a faith dream. You got to know what your faith is doing. Now, faith is a substance things hold for, the evidence of things not seen. Joanne made this statement. If, if you respect your vision and your dream, because it is just like a person. If you respect your dream, you're, it's almost like you're respecting the person. The thing God told you to do. You treat it because it's alive. God's dream God, that he gave you was alive. And you've got to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Whatever it takes to make it happen. We're the ones, here's, here's another statement, we're the ones called to receive everything Jesus purchased for us on the cross, and we're the ones to take back everything the devil has stolen. Yeah. Right. Amen. If Satan has taken something from you, go get it. Yeah. Go back and get that. Just don't sit around and whimper and whine. Go get it. Get up. Stand up. Get on your, fa- get on your, on your feet. Put your hands to heaven and start praying in the Holy Ghost and ask God to give you wisdom. Yeah. Amen. And the first thing you do, Father, I thank you that you're the God that supplies. Satan is the one who steals, kills, and destroys. I know that you didn't take this from me. So now in the name of Jesus, give me wisdom on how I get it back. How do I go get what belongs to me? You know, James says that that there are things right now that belong to you that other people have. And the Bible says they got it by fraud, some of them. And the scripture said that that stuff's crying out to get back into your hands. So right now, while you're sitting in here, your stuff's crying. I don't belong here. I belong to them. I need to get back into their hands. And so we've been fraudulently taken, away, taken advantage of. But Jesus purchased some things for you. Receive those things that God would. Now, do whatever it takes. you got to do whatever it takes. Listen, sometimes you don't feel like smiling. Smile anyway. Sometimes you don't feel like singing. Sing anyway. Sometimes you don't feel like forgiving somebody. Forgive anyway. Forgive anyway. Amen. I don't feel like loving him. Who said it had to do with feeling? Love anyway. Amen. Now, see, I have a wedding ring on. If I, I, took, I just took it off. You know what? I don't feel less married. Because that ring doesn't make me feel anything. Holding her hand makes me feel something. Joanne, uh, I've said this before. Joanne, one time, when my uh, older son, Joel, uh, uh, he was probably about three years old. And uh, we lived in a house, and uh, I think either the person who put this house together, at least that part of it, was either on drugs or demon-possessed, because you should not put a garbage disposal switch that low where a a three-year-old can hit it. But Joanne was cleaning out the garbage disposal, had her hand in it, and when she had her right hand in that garbage disposal, and she had it in it, Joe walked over and switched it on. And Joanne's arms just started turning with that, thing and she's now she started to scream I wasn't at the house and her hands turning in that garbage disposal you don't put your hand in a garbage disposal have that thing catch your hand she's got her rings on and have that thing twist and then she had to reach over turn and, and Joel being three years old and being the stepping up to the plate he ran screaming you know so obviously so he was no help he turned it on and then took off running so you know so yeah he, I'm out of here and so Joanne's there and she switched that thing and she before she took her hand off First thing she said, thank God I'm a tither. First thing out of her mouth. Pulled her hand out. She had a little cut. 
Her hand had been, been, uh, been in, that, in that grinder, turning and turning, and, and God healed her hand. And when she called me, I was at the office, she called me, she goes, guess what happened? And she tells me the, the, the story, she goes, and, and she was in tears. She goes, God protected me. And she tells me, the reason I know what she said, she goes, the first thing out of me, I could, I don't know, just came out, poured out of me. Thank God I'm a tither. All right? Thank God I'm a tither. Man, I thought about that. And I said, the master physician lives in our house. The miracle worker lives in our house. Her angel was a work in her house. God protected her. God did all that. And then I said, and God, thank you so much because you know I love holding her hand. And I would have, I would have held a stub. If that's what it took, I would have held her stub. But I didn't have to. God, you protected her. And to this day, I still get to hold her hand. I still get to hold her hand. You've got to be grateful for things that God has done. There's things that God's done. The abundant life shouldn't end just because, just listen, because you're here today. You, you have to recall all the times God stepped in when something should have happened and it didn't. When, you should, when by all reports, you should not be sitting here and you are. Where you shouldn't be in the job you are and you have it. Where you shouldn't have a supply and yet you have it. That's called abundant life. And if you have abundant life, you ought to have an abundance of gratitude and an abundance of, of, of gratefulness and worship and praise. It cannot stop. So the moment so say, I remember. You ought to say, I remember too. I remember what God did for me. I remember this. I remember this. I remember this. Every one of you can recall a moment when God stepped in. And it should, there, were, there may not have been fire and thunder and lightning, but you're still here. And I got news for you. When you get to heaven, you're going to find out how many times God actually protected your life and how much time God walked over you when you should have died or some a bullet, straight bullet could have hit you or a, a family member and it was slapped down by an angel said, oh, no, 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 you're messing with them. These things, come on. You're angels at work right now. You're working. Come on. So do whatever it takes. Turn around and tell somebody. And don't, don't be wimpy on this one. Turn around and tell somebody. Hey, at home, turn around. And, and lift. Nobody's home. Get up for a moment. Go look in the mirror and look at yourself and say this. Do whatever it takes. Yeah, do whatever it takes. John, uh, amen. Uh, John 15, 16. John chapter 15, verse 16 makes this statement. Um, Amplified version said, you, did, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you, and I appointed you. I have planted you. Oh, I like that. I planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing, and your fruit may be lasting. There will remain and abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name as presenting all that I am, Oh, here it is. Underline that part. By presenting all that I am, he'll give it to you. It's not about God getting you stuff. It's about you presenting him. It's about you representing him and presenting him. You're the only walking billboard God has on this planet today. So when you walk in abundance and God and God and people see you, they ought to be able to get say, what is it about you? What is it about you in the moment of this? All the shutdown and all the economic stuff. You, what, what is it about you that you still smile? Yeah. What is it about you that still makes you put your shoulders back and, 
and have this look on you like it's okay. Life's still good. It's all right. Amen. I know there's stuff going on, but hey, we're all right. Amen. Yeah, yes, there's fires going on. Yes, there's storms going on. Yes, there's an economic scene that, that, that uh, where it, it goes up and down. Yes, we have reports of medical situations going on around the world. Yes, there, they, that is true. That's all true. But God's still God. Yeah, that's right. And God's not the author of fires. He stepped into a fire and couldn't burn. He found, he found three Hebrew children, stepped in, and they said, the fourth man. So he's your fourth man in the midst of fires. Yeah. Amen. Jesus walked on water, so storms are coming in. may rain 10 inches, but God knows how to walk on water. He knows how to protect you and watch over your life. God can do this. He can supply all your needs. Amen. Amen. So keep on bearing fruit. Your dream is your personal mission statement, Joanne said. Your dream is your personal mission statement. It's It's a determined goal in your life, which God inspired. Now, I like this resulting in kingdom increase and kingdom fruitfulness. It causes the kingdom to increase. Look at, look at, Joanne got born again and then she caused me to get born again. She increased the kingdom. Praise God for it. She got born again, I got born again. And, and from that, we preached in 18 different countries, preaching the gospel together. I recall Joanne and I were in South Africa preaching the gospel uh, there in, uh, in, in a beautiful city, a man by the name of Dennis Charles was the pastor, and, um, uh, and the whole, there's a whole supernatural manifestation of that thing, but just to speed up, I, w- I was on the platform after I got through preaching, that we were preaching to Muslims and Hindus, and so once we got through preaching, uh, the altar got filled with people being born again, and they came forward. And uh, we're, we're out, and we're out, and this is where people would walk. They'd walk to church, walk in dust roads. They were paved. They were dust roads, and, and they'd come in, and and they had dust all over their feet and all over their hands and their hair. And Joanne and I were laying hands on them. I was praying for them, getting them born again. I was casting out devils. Almost every fifth person I had to cast a devil out of them, and and just ministering. Joanne, they had a balcony, and uh, so we emptied the balcony. And Joanne went up in the balcony with one of the workers. So they'd get born again and get fully delivered. Demons come out. I said, now go get in that line. And that line went up the stairs over to the balcony. And Joanne was up there getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. And so they were coming up one side of the stairs uh, without the Holy Ghost, but born again and delivered, going up and coming down. So it was like, we, we had this thing. We were doing that for almost two hours. We were, not, we were not supposed to be uh, at that meeting. We were with somebody else, uh, ministry. Pastor says, can you come back to, tonight? Uh, tonight, yeah, sure. It was in the morning. We came back that night, preached again. They said, can you come back tomorrow? I said, well, we're with another ministry. Let me ask them. So I called and asked them, and they said, yes. Joanne and I went back, and the, and the church was packed out again. So then they said, can you come back tomorrow? And I said, well, let me ask. And the pastor said, why don't you come stay with us? Now, we, we paid for a hotel room in a city called Durban. And we, and we stayed in that hotel room, and we paid for the room. And I looked at Joanne, and I said, I think we should do this, but let's ask the, the minister that we're with. So we t- told him what he said. He goes, if the Spirit of God's in it, go for it. I said, look, we already paid for our room, so we'll just leave it that way and just keep it paid for. Nobody will occupy that room. That's fine. So we packed our bags, and we went. Went to Durban, left that room, and stayed, stayed in, in, with the pastor 
And then the following night, we go to, we go, they take us to a different place. I go, where are we going? They said, oh, well, we can't fit the, the church somewhere. And they got a 2,000-seat tent. And we went from a 400-seat auditorium to a 2,000-seat tent. And by the end of the night, everybody that was on the tour on the other side going ministry were not at our meeting. They canceled their meetings and came to ours. Roger McDuff, if anybody ever heard of him, he was a singer at that time, gospel singer. He was the one who invited us. He was singing all over. He canceled his whole meetings. He came over. He goes, can I come sing for you? I went with him. And now he's singing for me. And so he came over and he's singing. And we, Joanne and I are preaching the gospel. And that's where a little girl, uh, Joanne was with me. And I said, a little girl uh, died. And they, they were passing her over, over people's bodies, bringing her to, as they were holding her and passing her over. She was two and a half years old. She died. And the, and the, and they, and the mother was crying. And, we, and Joanne and I got together. We lay, I jumped off the platform. It was about five foot high. Jumped off the platform. Joanne met, met me. And we prayed. I said, I, you spirit of death, I curse you in Jesus' name. And that little girl came back to life. Amen. Once she did, Joanne sat down, and that's when we got the word throng. We understood it from Scripture. Because everybody got the seats and ran toward the front. And they squeezed me against the platform. I had to get up and jump. They had to push me up on the stage. They did that. The, the following night, a man died in the front row of a heart attack. I got mad. I threw my Bible at somebody, jumped off the stage, and, and raised it. And he had two nurses. They brought him out of the hospital. He was all hooked up to machines. They brought him because he wanted to live. He wanted to live, and he was, he was dying. He, they had already had a heart attack, and they couldn't, they couldn't do the surgery there. His heart was so badly damaged. They said he wouldn't live, and they brought him anyway, and he died. Stand in the front row, he died. Fell out of his chair, just dead. And the nurses go, he's dead. I got so mad, I jumped off a platform and did it again. This is called abundant life. This is called presenting who he is. This verse of scripture, man, Joanna and I have watched this. When she's preaching this and I'm preaching this, we've seen this. Your dream is a personal mission statement. This is so personal to us, man. It's a determined goal in life which God inspired. A kingdom increase. Here's what Joanna said. Never stop reaching for more. Well, isn't that good? She said this. Do more than exist. Live. Do more than touch, feel. Do more than observe. Don't do more than look, observe. Do more than read, absorb knowledge. Do more than hear, listen. Do more than presume something, understand. Vision, your, a vision or dream deserves and demands your focus. It deserves, your, it deserves it. Jan was so focused when she got born again, she hung up on me and said, John, I'm not dating you no more. She was so focused. She just got saved, ladies and gentlemen. Man, how much further should we be now? I mean, she, li listen, I live with her. She was that solid then. She, she was that solid then. She, you know, uh, she was not going to allow me uh, to interfere with her relationship with God. She wanted God. And I was an interference. I was an interference. I, I, you know, I, was, I did drugs. I'm not going to lie, I did drugs, and she didn't. She, she didn't. When, when, uh, so, uh, and, you know, she didn't know to the extent by which I did them. Let's not talk about that. But, you know, so, uh, but, but nonetheless, that, that did happen. And, uh, you know, so, and um, I sold a stuff from San Diego to San Francisco. Yeah, just a little, a little entrepreneurship. And so, uh, illegally, illegal, illegal. Uh, until I, but when I got born again. And I richly got born again and found 
what made her so, so determined and so focused on God? What made her that way was a commitment she made to God. She was, in, she was hungry for God. She wasn't hungry for boyfriends. Boyfriends she had a lot of. Oh, hey, I didn't go to any of my proms. She went to all the proms. She went to proms that she wasn't even supposed to go to. I didn't go to, I was not involved in any club. Joanne, if you look at her annual, she's in every club picture. Even in clubs she wasn't in. She just has never played chess a day in her life. And she's in the chess club, like this. With a picture in the album, the photo album, the school album, like this. Actually, like this. If you look at all her pictures, like this. She, she never did that. She, she, was never, she, was never, she never did that. But she just jumped into any picture she could get herself into. She was, she, made the, she was just short of the valedictorian. Uh, the, president knew I, the, the principal knew who I was, but for different reasons. And so we won't get to that one either. But visions and dreams, they demand your focus. If you're not focused, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not focused, you'll, you'll tolerate anything in your life. You'll tolerate anybody in your life. You will tolerate any situation in your life. That is hindering who you personally are in Christ. She made a statement. Get a love for being in the presence of God. Get get a love for being in the presence of God so that God can begin to reveal to you His plan for your life. You'll never find God's plan unless you get into the presence of God. And when you get there, here's what you find. Love. God's love is so overwhelming it's got a plan that's revealed. But the thing is, is you go in there not for the plan. You go in there for God's presence. You discover his love and come out with a plan. This is what was, I love how she made this. Hell's greatest fear is that you will complete your assignment. Hell's greatest fear is that you'll complete your assignment. Hell fears you when you know who you are. Satan fears the fact that you can grow up and find out I know who I am. I know I may be under attack, but I'm no coward. I'm not backing down. I know what God called me to do. I know who God called me to. That's why Joanna and I have never used the word divorce or separation in our marriage. She's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Have we had disagreements? Oh, yeah. Watch, Joanna, have we had disagreements? Oh, yeah. See, told you. Listen, you get two people together and they agree on everything all the time for every reason, one of them is not thinking. It's just usually, just usually the case. Men have all kinds of dreams. All kinds of dreams. Every day. And then they'll tell the wife, I have a dream. And she'll what about the other one? Well, you know, yeah, that one's still on the table. Uh, but this dream, oh, it's a good dream. Uh, have you thought about what it's going to cost you? Have you thought about when you're going to do it? How are you going to do it? Who do you know that can help you? I haven't got that far yet. I just got an idea. Uh, you, and that's why it's not good that a man be alone. <laughs> They're good because you, you, uh, if you're single, you've got to marry the right woman. That's right. Amen? Fall in love with her heart, not her breasts. Right. They're in the general lake location, but fall in love with her heart. 
And when I say heart, I mean her spiritual man. Amen. You just got. You just got to do it. It's it's important that we, that we realize that, that that we realize that. And so because because this will help you. Amen. And so this this is vitally important. So you get a love. Hell's greatest fear is that you will complete your assignment. Can you imagine that? God knows you're assigned to something. I'm assigned to her. She's assigned to me. Hell hates the fact that we're still together. That we met 50 years ago and we're still together. You run into people that you, that you knew in high school. Are you still together? Are you you're still married? Uh, really? Really? And here's what they say. What's your secret? It, it bugs me when they ask a movie star who's been married five years, but they've been married three times. And they ask him, what's your secret? What's your secret? We'll change partners every five years. That's a secret. That's how they do it. They can't last. They don't know how to last. See, here's the key. Joanna and I went on a honeymoon, and we've never stopped. We've been 50 years on a honeymoon. People go on a honeymoon, spend all this money for a honeymoon, for an exotic spot. Instead of living a supernatural life. Amen. You got to share each other's dreams. You got to be able to know each other. Grow with each other. This is important. Hell's greatest fear is that you, you will complete your assignment. See, we're completing our assignment. That's why we still have. When you lose, I think it was Beryl Hickey said, I think that was Beryl Hickey that made the statement, that when you lose your purpose, uh, when you lose your purpose and you have no purpose at all anymore, then you might as well leave the planet. Because you're shortening your lifespan. You got to fulfill it. You got to fulfill what you're supposed to do. James chapter 2, verse 19 makes this statement. Um, uh, and, and this is important that you understand. I believe in God. I also believe there's a devil. Yeah. And, and I believe he, that, remember, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's called very, a variety of different names and for different reasons in the Bible. Anytime you read his name, different reasons. James 2.19 says this. You believe that there's one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Amen. So if demons, demons know God's real. They know that and they tremble. But listen, even demons believe and they tremble. I remember of a gentleman, by the, uh, uh, you may know the son, Joel Osteen. I knew John Osteen. And John Osteen made a statement one time that he had a vision. And, he, and in his vision, he witnessed a demon walking up and down his street. And the demon was walking down the street with another demon. And the demon looked and he goes, don't go to that house. And he pointed to John Osteen's house. He goes, why? He goes, because that man knows God. Don't go to that house. He will whip you bad. And that demon didn't believe him. Of course, they don't believe. And he went and uh, got destroyed. Went in there, tried to slap him with whatever he did. And John Osteen and Dodie came out confessing the word of God and torturing the devil. And when he, and they went, he said when they went to hell, Satan asked, he goes, where have you been? He goes, we were up and down the street, but we went to that guy... John goes, and he, did you get him? He said, no, he kept confessing Jesus. Kept confessing Jesus. And he said, Satan screamed. He could hear him scream. And he said, anytime Satan comes by your house, they ought, demons should tremble. Amen. They ought to fear your existence. They ought to fear your existence. That's why when, G, when she made the statement, hell's greatest fear is that you, you will complete your assignment. you got to know your assignment. you got to know that your block is protected. Your apartment complex is protected because you live there. Amen. 
You believe that there's one God. Well, you do well, but even demons believe. Demons believe. Scripture says it. Demons believe in God. And let me help you here. This is a good statement. Demons believe so much that they attend church more than some church members. Because what they do is whisper next to them, don't don't believe that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to be that committed. You don't need to do that. You don't need to fulfill that assignment. You know, why don't you just get mad? Why don't you just do this? There was a gentleman one time, a young boy one time, and he was uh, nine years old, back in the year of 1708. Little boy. He was asleep in the, in the, up on the balcony of the church. And while he was asleep, the deacons who hated the, the pastor, I don't know why they were deacons, but they hated the pastor, and the pastor, because of the fact of how they lived and what they did, they used sometimes the upstairs part of the church of where they lived. And they had, there was eight children. This young boy was one of eight, but he wasn't feeling well that day. But some members invited them to go eat. And in those days, they would do that, where they would leave for a little while, and the child was asleep by himself. They thought everybody had gone to eat, so they burnt the church down. While they were burning the church down, two people came along, and they saw the boy upstairs, and he broke the window upstairs trying to get out, and he was on the upper level. And two men came, and one jumped on top of the other man. They leaned against the building. They got scorched on the front of the building. where The wooden church was on fire. And, and Ed, that church was on fire. Those men leaned against the building while fire was hitting his chest. The other one jumped up on top. He, he was on fire. His shirt was on fire. And he grabbed that young boy and brought him down. And brought that little boy down, and they ran from that building. All of them, the young boy, no burns whatsoever. No burns whatsoever. And they took him aside. The other men were scorched. They took their shirts off. They were, they, were, they were still on fire, rolling on the grass. They did this. The family was notified. They all came. The father got down, the, the, who was the pastor of the church, and said he got down, and he, he got on his knees, and he said, come on, family, let's all pray. He goes, because... He goes, we, the church building may have gone, but the church didn't burn. Amen. The church didn't burn. The building did. And he said, and we still have eight. And so they began to pray and they began to worship. And that little boy looked at his dad and he said this, how is it that you can do this? And he goes, because God told, tells us to forgive. Right. And, he, and he made this statement to the young boy. God's methods work. And from there, John Wesley started the Methodist Church. So the Methodist Church started with a supernatural element. And John Wesley was alive because of two men that came along, did not attend the church, and two deacons, deacons. Dr. Ed Dufresne, my spiritual father, used to say, Full gospel, folks, just full gospel, who hated their pastor enough to burn down the building. So don't think that just because people go to church, they love church. Don't think because people carry a Bible that they really love their pastor. Don't think just because they drive into the driveway, they really love their family. You don't do it unless you love this. Unless you love this, and unless you're committed to this assignment. Ladies and gentlemen, from, Re- from Genesis to Revelation is your life. This is the book we live by. And listen, man, two men did not know who they were saving that day. He was, he was nine years old. 
And he remembered, his dad said, it's God's method. Prayer is God's method. Wow. And he heard that. The fire was going on. He could have died. And his dad held no unforgiveness. In the Roman days, with the Romans, were, were, they, were, they were superb at torture. And when a person would, they, they, they had different ways of, of uh, once somebody was found guilty of something, they, they had different ways of, committee, of, of sentencing them to, a, to whatever crime it was. But if you were committed, if you committed murder, and they had different ways, you could have been in prison, you could have been tortured, you could have been crucified. Jesus wasn't the only one crucified. Crucifixion was made, made by them. So, but one of the things they used to do if you committed murder, they wanted everybody to know that you did it. They would take the physical body of the person you murdered and they would strap that dead body to your back. And then you had to go through the city, walk every day. You could not take that body off. If anybody helped you take that body or helped you carry it, then they were put in jail. So everybody had to watch you with a dead body. When a dead body starts to decay, what happens? It starts to decay into the ground or wherever. So when they de- the body would decay, here was their sentence. What you killed will kill you. So they would strap it to their, his back or her back and they would let him carry it around. And then that decay would start to eat up their back and their bones and get in until finally the infection would kill them both and they would fall over dead. How long did it take? We don't know. We don't know. But that's the same thing that happens when you hold unforgiveness. You strap a dead issue to your life and you're carrying around something dead. That's why forgiveness is not about them, it's about you. And we must stop murdering our brothers and our sisters. We've got to stop all this unforgiveness stuff. You can't carry that dead weight. We must be free. Can't carry that kind of burden. You believe that there's a God? Well, then do what God told you to do. Do it well. Even even demons believe. Uh, Psalm 37, 23 says this. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. This is how you do what it takes. This is how you do what it takes. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Wow. The steps of a good man. So listen, listen, so how do you do what it takes? Allow God to order your steps. Amen. So we've got to be able to boldly say, I'm going to do what God told me to do. Exactly the way God told me to do it. Joanne said this, prayer gives God an entry point into your life. God give, prayer gives God an entry point into your life. She said, make these statements. Read the word, hear the word, and get to know what's available to you as a believer. Prayer, once again, gives God an entry point. She made this statement. In prayer, you'll find you have come to the right place at the right time. Then you'll speak the right words at the right time, at the right place, and you'll get the right results. Wow. In prayer, you'll come to the right place. See, if you end up in the wrong places, it's because you haven't prayed. If you find yourself, I don't think I should have been here. You didn't pray about going. Here's the statement. Listen close. Not everything good is God, but everything God is good. 
Just because something's good doesn't make it that it's God. But everything that is of God is good. So it's our responsibility to make this happen. You got to do what it takes. Amen. Amen. So this is just a portion of what Joanne made reference of it. Uh, uh, of it, and man, there's so much in, in here that she preached, and I didn't have time to do it. So I didn't do, I didn't do everything she she told me to do. And you still agree? Did I do a good job? All right, just check it, check it with the boss. It's her message. She taught it. Maybe. the first time I've done it. If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.